Thanks for tuning in to Mountain View Fellowship's weekly podcast. At MVF, our mandate is pointing people to Jesus by fostering relationships. We know Jesus cared for people and placed a lot of emphasis on relationships. So we do too. We believe that we're created for relationship with God and that He gave each one of us a desire to belong. If you'd like more information about MVF, connect with us at mvfcolorado.com. Now, stay tuned for this week's message. What kind of world do we live in? Go ahead and shout out some answers. What kind of world do we live in? Broken. Evil. Empty. Painful. Definitely. Is it a moral world? No. Is it a predictable world? Not so much, right? The song that we just sang, it wasn't about if the storms come, it was when the storms come. And we have to trust that God has orchestrated everything in the world to where we are right now. And he's got a reason. So how do you make sense of the world? How do you weather the storms, the injustice, the suffering? How do you find joy and living hope? As a follower of Christ, I don't have everything figured out, but I can trust the source of life. I can trust the author of creation, the one who gave me breath, who allowed me to wake up this morning. And if we as believers have this kind of living hope, And the answer of how to weather the storms of life, shouldn't we share it? 1 Peter 3, verses 15 to 16 says this, you must worship Christ as the Lord of your life. And if somebody asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Scripture definitely tells us that we are to tell others about who Christ is. Uh, There's a survey recently. Amazingly, 71% of non-believing Americans said that they are open to listening to a story about faith if a friend tells them. So how many of you, so far in 2023, have shared a story of faith with one of your friends? Nice. Nice. Quite a few, but not the majority of us. And that's a bit of an issue, isn't it? Um, Many of us don't share, and we need to. The same survey found that 60% of non-believing Americans know somebody who professes to be a Christian but never talks about faith. That certainly isn't good. So why don't we share? Uh, first, sometimes we may think it's just not my job, right? It's for the, maybe the pastors, the church, missionaries, for some you know, better Christians than we are, whatever. But it's definitely all of our jobs. Scripture over and over tells us we're supposed to proclaim who God is to the world around us. Now, while it's not our job to convict the world of its sin, that's the Holy Spirit's job, It absolutely is our job to tell who Jesus is. In Mark chapter 5, Jesus was traveling around the Sea of Galilee. He came across a man who was possessed by a legion of demons. I don't know how many that is, but it's a lot, right? 
And Jesus delivered him, cast out the demons, healed him, and the man wanted to go along with Jesus. But Jesus said, no, go home to your family and tell them everything that the Lord has done and how he has been merciful to you. And I think that command is for us as well. That's what we're supposed to do. Go out and tell people what the Lord has done. I think the second major reason why we don't share is maybe we just don't know how. Or we're really nervous about screwing it up. Well, I'm hoping this morning I'm going to help you with that a little bit. My name is Mike. I'm one of the pastors here at MVF. We look at Sunday morning as absolutely a chance for us to get together, to worship together, to glorify God, but also to do what we call equipping of the saints. The saints are you guys. To spend some time, give you some tools, ways that you can go out and further God's kingdom, to do ministry, because it requires all of us. So this morning, uh, the format's a little bit different. Um, First of all, I messed with your chairs a little bit. Some of you were walking and going, what? They're different. Well, they're just angled a little bit. Get over it, right? (laughs) But this morning, we're going to just do things a little different. The first thing is you're going to need one of these sheets. And we may not have passed them all out in the back. If you're missing one, um, feel free. There's lots of them up front. Find, Find one. Everybody needs one of these, okay? So just look around. Grab one of these. Um, If you are brand new to MVF, if you're a visitor this morning, come back. Um, This is not what we normally do, Um, so this is a little different. I want you to experience a more normal Sunday, but I think this will give you an insight into the heart of our church. We are all about Jesus and letting others know about who he is. If you are new to faith or just starting with your relationship with Christ or you haven't quite gotten there yet, That's okay this morning, too. Um, Don't worry. We're not going to pressure you. There's no signing on the dotted line or anything like that. But we firmly believe that God is active in all of our lives, whether we have started a new relationship with him or not. And so this morning, if you're kind of still figuring it out, this might be an opportunity to figure out, well, what is God doing in my life? You know, why are you here in church this morning? Maybe God has something to do with that. So this morning is a little bit more like a seminar than a sermon, okay? And I'm going to have you do some work on this handout at different points. Um, Write down a few things, and then I'm going to actually have you share what you write down with others. I know, I can feel the anxiety rising, okay? Um, Look around the room. If there's some folks that are here alone, uh, those of you who, who come to MBF often, Be willing to jump out and go talk with somebody, okay? Somebody you don't know. That's good. Think of this as a crash course on how to talk about our faith with others. So what a better chance than to go talk with somebody you don't know, okay? Now, don't worry. It's only a couple times. I think it's like three times I'm going to have you do this. Each time it's really short, okay? You don't have to share your entire life story, just little snippets. Um, It's going to be pretty easy, okay? We can get through it together. So don't get anxious. Um, Let me go ahead and pray to help us through this, all right? Heavenly Father, I want to thank you this morning. I want to thank you first that we get to gather and worship you. You are a God that is so worthy of praise. And thanks that we get to do that. Uh, Jesus, I thank you that you are active in our life. Um, Creation just didn't happen and put things in order and you're just sitting on the sidelines waiting to see what's going to happen. You are active every day in our lives in the big things and the little things. You intersect with our lives, and often you change our direction. 
And God, we just wanna, we wanna worship and praise you for that today. Holy Spirit, I pray that you fill this place. You help all of us think through our past, think through different moments where you have definitely acted and for us just to be able to clearly see that and be able to think through it. Um, Lord, this morning my heart is also kind of heavy with something else. Um, Lord, your presence is so greatly needed in Turkey and Syria after the huge earthquake. Um, I pray that there are people who desperately need you and that your face will shine. You will be glorified through this that somehow people will come to a whole new relationship and faith and want to be with you. Lord, I pray that there's still continuing miracles of maybe some more people coming out of the rubble who will be saved. We pray that you are healing people who are hurt. And I also ask that you just protect the aid workers and others who are bringing in supplies. That is a tough and dangerous part of the world right now. And Lord, it needs you desperately. And so we just pray that, that through it all, you are there. Jesus, thank you for loving us first, long before we knew about you. Amen. This morning, I'm going to talk about something that, that we are kind of calling intersections. Okay, Intersections are basically those points in our life. We are going a direction. God steps in, does something, and our direction changes. Okay? Now, the direction that we could have been going could be good, it could be bad. It doesn't matter. He steps in and he changes it for some reason, okay? Um, intersections, though, when we think about them as stories, they provide us opportunities to share with others what God has done in our lives. If you go out in the lobby, you'll see on the wall there, it's our mandate. What we think our church is about is pointing people to Jesus by fostering relationships, and intersections are just a great way for us to bring spiritual conversation into those relationships. Intersections are not about selling people on Jesus, okay? It's not about getting them to sign on the dotted line. Maybe as we share, amazing things will happen and they'll want to give their life to God. But initially, it's just about talking about who God is, who he is to us, how he has changed and healed and forgiven and worked in our lives, Okay? We call this the gospel. The gospel is the good news that with Jesus, we can have a relationship with him now and forever as he heals and forgives, redeems, transforms us, right? And so intersections are basically just times in our life where that gospel has happened and we get to share them. Now, I think intersections have a couple important parts. So this is the rough outline to think about. First, what direction were we going, okay? Again, good, bad, indifferent, we are going some direction. And then God shows up. He intersects. He takes action. He initially does something. And then the, second, the next part is we have to react to it. Sometimes our reactions are like, whoa, uh-uh, no way, God. We might reject it for a while, but then we turn towards him. And then there's a part of what's the benefit when we look in the rear view mirror of some of the things in our life that we've gone through that God has done, we can say, wow, I am actually glad that that happened. Even though sometimes those intersections can be painful, they can hurt, God can still do amazing things. Towards the end of the book of Acts, the Apostle Paul, he'd been traveling and doing different things, he's under arrest for a long time, comes to a place that he actually shares an intersection, and he shares it with uh, Governor Festus and King Agrippa, and you'll find it in Acts 26. Here we go. 
I used to believe that I ought to do everything I could to impose the very name of Jesus the Nazarene. Indeed, I did just that in Jerusalem. Authorized by the leading priests, I, ca- I, caused many, oh, I caused many believers there to be sent to prison. And I cast my vote against them when they were condemned to death. Many times I had punished them in the synagogues to get them to curse Jesus. I was so violently opposed to them that I even chased them down in foreign cities. This was the direction Paul was on, right? Rounding up Christians, having them killed. And then Jesus intersected, okay? One day I was on such a mission to Damascus, armed with the authority and the commission of the leading priests. About noon, your majesty, as I was on the road, a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shone down on me and my companions. We all fell down, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is useless for you to fight against my will. Who are you, Lord, I asked. And the Lord replied, I am Jesus, the one that you are persecuting. Now get to your feet, for I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and a witness. Tell people that you have seen me and tell them the things that I'm going to show you in the future. I will rescue you from both your own people and the Gentiles. Yes, I am sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God. Then they will receive forgiveness for their sins and be given a place among God's people who are set apart by faith in me. God stepped in. Jesus intersected with Paul. Now, our intersections don't necessarily mean we're going to hear the audible voice of Jesus. But most of the time, it does involve us getting knocked off our high horse, right? And we have to step up and move forward. So how did Paul react? And so, King Agrippa, I obeyed the vision from heaven. I preached first to those in Damascus and then in Jerusalem and then throughout Judea and also to the Gentiles that they must repent of their sins and turn to God and prove they have changed by the good things they do. All right. Paul's approach was solid. He spoke from his experience. He aimed it at his audience and his time and his culture. Now, we don't live in the same culture as Paul. And in fact, for some of us, we don't even necessarily live in the same culture we grew up in. It has changed. And so we have to maybe approach sharing our faith a little differently than we might expect, okay? Sociologists right now will say that our culture is marked by four major things. The first is we live in a postmodern culture. Postmodern means that we're after modernity. Modernity was back when science and fact and reason kind of ruled things. Postmodern means a person's experience is king. It's how they define things, okay? We are in a post-church culture. If you look back 100 years ago, the church had great influence and authority. Not so much today. We live in a post-Christian culture. 50 years ago, most people knew the story of Jesus. They knew some verses from the Bible. They knew a lot of the major Bible stories. Today, people don't know those things. They're foreign to them. And last, we live in a pluralistic culture. Pluralistic just means that there's a lot of competing thought processes, philosophies, religions, and they're all held at the same level of authority and viability, okay? It's a different culture. Used to be people would do things that like apologetics. Apologetics is coming up with a logical argument, a debate, basically. 
And you kind of go through and you lay this out and you get people to agree to certain points and then they have to agree with you about Jesus. That's not effective anymore. That's not a good way to go about it. The social rule in our culture is that whatever experience you have is your truth, right? You ever heard that? Whatever's true for you? Let's use it. Let's use it. Let's share what's true to us, what we know to be true because God has acted in our life, right? They can't argue with that. We'll use that instead. So we share our experience in a gentle and respectful way, but a way that glorifies God and invites people into conversation. That's what an intersection is. We lean into what God has done, what we know to be true in our story. And again, remember, more than 70% of people will listen when a friend shares a story from their life. Now, I'm using the word intersection instead of testimony. And this is just a, you know, one of those things. Um, testimony oftentimes kind of denotes something. Uh, something comes to mind when somebody says a testimony, right? If you've been around church for a while, a lot of times testimony is like, oh, I'm going to share my testimony tomorrow. And everybody envisions somebody standing up at a pulpit and giving this sermon, right? They tend to be long. They tend to use phrases and words that only church people understand, so it's preaching to the choir most of the time. Um, the majority of the time, it's focused on me. I did this. I found this. I accepted this. I began to do this instead of what God did, and we want to focus on God. A lot of times, testimonies feel like a sales pitch. Um, there's a reason why in marketing, they are, there are product testimonials, Right? I use this product and my hair looks great, right? Um, we're not selling something. We're just telling people who God is. A lot of times testimonies don't start conversation. You ever been in a room with somebody, they share their testimony and then everybody's like, oh, that, that was nice, right? It doesn't begin a conversation and we need the conversation. The other thing about it is um, testimonies are usually only about your salvation moment, what I call your John 3.16 moment, right? But the truth is we all have a lot of intersections. Um, I can think of six distinctive intersections in my life, and I might be going through a seventh right now. Um, and because we have these different intersections, it allows us to have different conversations, you're meeting with somebody, getting to know somebody, and it's like, oh, I know a story that relates to this, and now you can share your intersection. So it's good for us to think about quite a few. All right, let me give you something that's going to help start to flesh this out a little bit. Um, we're going to listen to somebody's testimony, and this is uh, Adam from our church. I accepted Jesus into my heart as a young teenager. I continued to grow in my faith throughout high school, but after I graduated high school, I ended up falling away from the church and fell from God as I moved out of state. I knew God was always with me, I just never made that effort to rely on him. And this continued for about 15 years, even while I married my wife Morgan, who was not a believer in God at the time. After a few years into our marriage, we were not doing well, and we felt God calling us to try a church out. We found a church close to our apartment, we showed up, we sat in the back, and as service was coming to an end, the pastor was leading the congregation in prayer. He instructed us on what to pray over. Morgan and I both looked at each other like deer in headlights, as we weren't comfortable praying over each other, 
or praying in front of each other for nonetheless. A few moments later, somebody came up to us and said that God really put it on his heart to come pray for us. Morgan and I were both overcome with joy and happiness that this would happen, and we were also very, very emotional as he prayed over us. We left that day feeling recharged in our marriage. About six months later, we could feel God calling us back to church. About this time, my wife's sister and her husband invited us to a new church. This church was 30 minutes away from our house, and I threw a fit the entire 29 minutes there. We sat in the back, and we just happened to be coming to the church that day when they were starting a new series on marriage. And God revealed through the pastor how toxic my wife and I were being to each other and how we needed to forgive each other and what we could do better. As soon as we got in the car, we immediately apologized and forgave each other for how th things have been the past couple of years. I had told her that we should at least finish this series at this church and see where we need to go from there. A few weeks later, my wife accepts Jesus into her heart, my faith in God is completely renewed, and we've relied on him ever since. And since then, we've made it an effort to make him the center of our relationship and grow in our faith. I'm Adam, I wandered off, and God bought me back. All right, yeah. Nice job, Adam. Um, do you hear some of the pieces of the intersection there, the direction that he was going, kind of apart from God? God stepped in, and he changed direction because of that, right? Um, so what I'd like you to do, take out the handout, go to the first side. It says intersections in big letters at the top. You'll see partway down there are six blanks. And what I'd like you to do is to think about what major intersections has God done in your life, okay? And just for a few moments while you're sitting there, I want you to just write out some short titles, okay? Um, by the way, I'm going to be giving you homework. We're not going to finish all of this today, right? You're going to continue to do this. So right now, just think about a couple of them and write them down. I'll give you 60 seconds. Go ahead and go. All right, I'm going to call you back here. Probably need like the Jeopardy music or something, right, to play. All right. Um, so now that you have some short titles, what I want you to do is to pick one of them, and you're going to circle that number. Um, it could be the one that you think that just stands out the most to you. Um, it could be the one that you think through and you go, oh, I might be able to share this with somebody soon. Okay? So go ahead and circle that one. And then what I'd like you to do is to think about what direction were you going when that intersection happened. Again, the direction might not necessarily be bad. Could have been life was good or I felt like everything was okay. Could also be, man, I was heading for a cliff, whatever it might be. Write down that direction. Go ahead, 60 seconds. All right, not quite 60. I see a lot of people looking up, so we're going to move on here. Um, the next one is a little bit harder question, and that's just why do you think God changed your direction? And I know I'm kind of throwing at this. That might take a little more introspection. Inter what's the right word? Introspection. There you go. Introspection to get through this. But um, just think for a few moments, why do you think, now in hindsight, God needed to intersect with you? Go ahead and write that down. Okay, again, we're just kind of getting started on this process. Um, all right, now is one of those moments. Um, I'm going to ask you to share. So look around, find somebody, um, and just what you're going to do is you're going to go and you're going to share two things. You're going to share the title of your intersection and just the direction you are going, okay? Really quick, 
You don't, you're not telling your whole story, just those pieces, okay? Ready? One, two, three, go. All right, nice job sharing. I'm going to go ahead and cut you off, all right? I know there'll be some few, few more opportunities. Uh, what I'd like to do real quick is I'm going to show you another intersection, okay? And this is Holly from our church. I lived in fear for years of losing my family, um, losing my biological family, losing our church family due to the leadership in the church that we had been attending. There was no joy, um, lots of fear and depression. Things were not right in that church and it was becoming more and more apparent God was providing us with messages and we were just tucking them away in the back of our mind and not listening to them at that time. Then something happened with the leadership in that church that it became clear. God made it very clear that we needed to leave and the time was now. We left as a whole family, all together. It became easy to leave because of all the messages we had tucked away and it was very clear in God's word that it was time to leave. After we left as a family, the dark veil of that place uh, was lifted. God's word was so clear. His message and the messages he'd been giving us for years were clear. We now have peace and joy. We're still healing. I'm healing from that place, but I know that I will heal because I have God's word, godly people surrounding me, holding me, encouraging me, and lifting me up and giving me the messages that I need to hear when I need to hear them. I have a peace now that I can say is the peace that surpasses understanding. Because when I look back at what we went through, only God can give me the peace that I have now. My name is Holly. God reminded me of his truths and I woke up and followed. awesome. Um, so Holly uh, chose that story in particular because there's a number of people right now that um, the cults basically that they were in are starting to come out. And she knew that she needed this intersection so she could have conversations with people and she's using it, right? Perfect example. And I just love too, as you watch it, you know, she's talking about the old place and then the new place she left and her face brightens up. You can just see the joy, right? Um, each of these, obviously the folks were probably a little nervous recording them, um, but you can see if you were to sit down with them and they were to tell your story, it just invites you into a conversation, doesn't it? All right. Um, I'm going to have you flip your paper over to the other side. There are seven what I call kind of the essential components to an intersection story, and I just want to go through those. Um, the first one is that our intersections need to be God-focused. Just like everybody else in the Bible, we get to participate in God's story. Um, if we could fix things ourselves, we wouldn't need God, would we? <laughs> but we need him. And the Bible, believe it or not, is not about you. Okay? I'm going to say it again. The Bible's not about you. When we open it up, yes, there are things that God uses to change us in it, but the Bible's really about God. It's there so we can find out who he is, right? And then proclaim him to others. Um, you are not the center character, even in your own life. Jesus actually is, and you get to participate in it. So, 
God initiates the actions, these intersections. He's the one that's working behind the scenes sometimes for a while. Or sometimes it's a particular event that happens suddenly, and there you are. And then you get to react to it. Okay? The very start of the Bible starts with a verse that says, In the beginning, God... God created the heavens and the earth, right? It's kind of like this big statement. It's the title, basically, of the next three chapters. And then we get to read how he created the heavens and the earth, okay? I love the next two verses, Genesis 1, verses 2 and 3. The earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God hovered over the surface of the waters. And then God said, let there be light, and there was light, okay? So... I think the English translation misses a bunch sometimes. When you read the original Hebrew, the, those words have connotation. They have meaning sometimes beyond just how we translate them. So those original words for formless and empty and the darkness really have this connotation of chaos, unordered chaos. Sounds a lot like living like a human, doesn't it? <laughs> chaos around us. And then what happens? Then the spirit of God, the, the Hebrew word is ruach, the ruach, which means breath, spirits, God's wind. It's basically power, right? All together does the first action. It says, let there be light, and it happens, right? It's kind of like our lives. <laughs> Chaos, emptiness, darkness, and then the ruach, God's breath, speaks into our life, he intersects with us, and things change, right? This is a design pattern in the Bible. You see it over and over again. Here it is in the second and third verses of the Bible, and then it's everywhere else. God initiates, and then people react. God sets things up, people follow, okay? Um, so it's really important we're focused on that. And one of the ways to do that is the second thing. What is the point of your story? I call this the ugly sentence, okay? The ugly sentence is God blank does some action and I blank reacted, okay? And so this ugly sentence just helps form our intersection a little bit, helps us put some, you know, what direction we're going. Um, you could hear it, uh, Holly and Adam at the end of their intersections basically said what their ugly sentence was, okay? Make sense? Um, and, and some other examples could be God called and I surrendered. God convicted and I repented. God rescued me and I healed. God loved and I accepted. You get a kind of a feel? It's kind of a great opening structure. When we share, we're not necessarily going to say our ugly sentence, but it helps us keep in mind what we're trying to show. God first, okay? So real quickly, in the handout, you'll see there's two blanks, God blank and I blank. I want to give you 60 seconds. Go ahead and fill that in on your intersection. I'm sorry, I keep lying. I keep giving you 60 seconds, but I'm actually not, sorry. Um, but... I think you're, you're getting it. This is kind of a draft, so you're going to come back to this a little bit. But what I'd like you to do, go back to that same person you talked to before because they, now, they have the context of what your intersection, the title and everything. Go back and give your ugly sentences, all right? Just your ugly sentences. Go. Go. 
All right, I'm going to bring you back. This is good. I can, I can hear conversations beyond the ugly sentence, so I think that's a good thing. All right, our third thing to keep in mind with your intersection is it needs to be scripture-informed. So we know that God's word, the Bible, speaks into our lives. It's not about us, but it certainly speaks into our lives. Um, it is amazing how alive it is, right? Um, you can read something over and over, and then one particular day, the Holy Spirit just, boom, illuminates something, and you go, wow, <laughs> I needed to hear that, right? I needed to know that about God. That happens a lot with our intersections. Sometimes during our intersection, God will step in and reveal a Bible story, a character, a particular verse that speaks to where we are. Sometimes, again, it's a rearview mirror. Looking back, we can see it, Okay. Um, just as an example, in my personal story, when I came to faith, part of my story is I thought I was good enough on my own. And during that time, God brought in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Okay, if you know the verse, it basically is just saying, I can't earn my way to God's love. It's a gift that he gives me, and he gets the credit, right? And it spoke so loud into my intersection story of when I, I found God. So it's really good for us to think about that scripture and to kind of include it. When we share our intersection, we don't necessarily quote that verse. Maybe we do, maybe we don't. Depends on who we're with. If you listen to Adam and Holly's story, they have scripture in there, even though they didn't say, hey, in Philippians it says this, right? But it's there. So what I'd like you to do, this one's a little hard. Sometimes it takes a little longer for us to figure out what that verse may be. But just for a few moments... Uh, under scripture informed, see if you can think through what verse, what Bible character, what story maybe parallels or speaks into your intersection. Go ahead and go. Don't worry, you don't have to share this one with anybody today, okay? It, sometimes it takes a little homework. It's going to take a little bit of work, you and the Holy Spirit kind of working together to figure out what that, that is, Okay. Um, one of my intersections uh, involves being parallel to a guy named Zerubbabel, okay? Look him up. He's a great character, right? Okay. Um, the next thing is the benefit of your intersection, okay? The world looks at our faith. They call it, you know, organized religion. They think it's an obligation, a duty, that it's joyless, that it's mindless. Um, but those of us who walk with Christ, we know that following him is joyful and life-giving and fulfilling, right? And so when we share these intersections, we need to share the benefit, what God has revealed or changed or helped us with in the process. Um, that service, the survey I mentioned before had another point. It said that 77% of non-believing Americans will listen to a story when they know it's tied to helping a core human need. The big things in our culture right now, the core human needs that rise to the surface, peace, hope, and fulfillment. Think about the news and the media and everything, peace, hope, and fulfillment. So when we share a story that is real to us and we reflect that we do have peace now, and here's why, people listen. So what I'd love you to do on number four there, Spend a few moments and write down what you think the benefit may be of that intersection in your life. Go for it.
Okay. Um, sometimes our intersections do involve suffering and hard things. And so talking about benefit may be a little difficult, but I still think that you can find things of why you're going through it and why it was, I wouldn't say good, but at least you can see how God is helping you through it, okay? And sometimes maybe that's just it. We live in a broken world, things happen, and so the benefit is God has helped you get through it, okay? All right, what I'd like you to do, this is the last time you have to share. Go back to that same person for a little bit. Share one sentence, maybe two sentences of the benefit of your intersection. Okay, ready? Three, two, one, go. All right, folks, I'm going to have you, you finish. Um, what's really cool, just, just listen to you guys talk. Um, just know after, after we finish here, you guys can sit. You can sit with this person and talk through it more and kind of process whatever you need to do. Um, maybe we need to figure out how to have people talk together more in service. I don't know. This is a lot of fun. This is cool. Hopefully not too much anxiety, so that's good. And I don't have to preach as much. Okay, thanks. Yeah, there we go, says Don. All right. Here we go. Um, the last three essentials. I was raised in a Christian Whoop. home. Sorry. I was raised in a Christian home. Let's go with But uh, we, we go. weren't church going. In fact, I grew up most of my life horribly ignorant of the Bible. I knew the major stories and, and I was a believer. But it's interesting. I remember years ago, a friend of mine, very close friend of mine, actually uh, called me spiritually dead. You can't say that. I'm a believer. Actually, I was living through most of my life in a slumber. When I look back on it, and most people are, I think, is uh, I wasn't alone in that one. God needed to really work through me, and he did. Uh, there was a major event that happened in my uh, mid-30s. I, I was deathly ill. I was basically, I had a stroke. I, my brain was filling full of clots. According to medical science, really, I should not be here at all. Uh, I should have died. Um, and I was given a blessing. I was healed. The doctor still can't explain why the, there's no damage from it, um, aside from the dull patches in my brain I've always had, but that, <laughs> that's another conversation. But it's uh, a lot of the doubts that I had or the questions I had about Christ and, and do miracles exist? Miracles exist. There's no explanation for this other than God. Uh, as for him working on my head, uh, that was a work in progress. You know, God has continued through my life, put people, uh, books um, in, in my path. And, and most of the time I look at them and go, whoa, I did not see that one coming. Or, wow, I'm glad I met that person. I had no idea. And he's been doing that over and over and over again. And, you know, as a result, it's made me want to pursue him. Uh, I'm human. Sometimes I'm a petulant child. Does <laughs> he know it? Uh, but he loves me. I was meant to be here. He keeps working through me. My name's Nick, and uh, even though I've resisted from time to time, I keep wanting to pursue Christ. All right. That's great. All right, you guys getting a feel for intersections, what they kind of look like? Yeah, and um, I want to thank Holly, Adam, and Nick for, for sharing. Sorry about talking over the top of you at the beginning, Nick. Um, but... They did a great job, and yes, they were recorded, so they were a little nervous, um, but you can see that if you sat down with somebody and they're sharing this, you would just want to talk with them about it, right? It just opens it up. Um, all right, so what I was going to say, the last three 
components of, of an intersection. I'm going to go through them fairly quickly. I think they're pretty obvious, but it's just good to keep in mind. The first one is that our intersections need to be brief. Our target's about 90 seconds or so. 90 seconds is enough to get through the major parts of our story without telling everything, okay? If we tell everything, there's no conversation. If we leave some, then we can, we can talk through it together, right? One of the best ways to, to do this intersection is to just go ahead and write it out, okay? And then start going back through it. And chances are when you first write it out, it's going to be a lot longer than 90 seconds. And you just are going to look through and you say, okay, what, what's important to me that I wrote down, but what's really important to the story? And focus on what's important to the story. Um, a lot of times we don't need as much backstory as we think we do. We could just dive in, okay? All right, the next one is embed some questions. Um, I call these kind of my breadcrumbs, okay? There are little things in there that are maybe, maybe vague or incomplete, and it invites people to ask a question to keep it going, right? So with Nick, perfect example. Nick is talking along. Anybody catch one of his breadcrumbs? Books, right? He said there were some books. And so if you're sitting there, you go, well, what books? right? With Holly, you'd go, what happened in your church that made you leave, right? There's some obvious questions that come about that then you can then talk through. So leave some of those things. And the last one is to speak clearly. Um, in church, we have what I call a tribal language, and that's Christianese, okay? A lot of times we talk in a way that nobody outside of the church understands. We use words or phrases, parts of scripture, um, and then when people hear it, it's like, what the heck is that about, right? So as you're talking, make sure you're talking in a way that people can understand. Avoid some things. Some examples of Christianese, the word righteousness. It means something to us, and it means something different to the rest of the world, right? Accepting Jesus into my heart. That's a weird phrase, right? Or washed by the blood. Whoa, <laughs> what are you into, Right? <laughs> Okay, spirit-led, prodigal son, justified, even grace, walk with God or walk with Christ, being anointed, born again. These are all phrases and stuff that mean things to us, but not to the world around us. So if you need to use them, at least define them. You know, uh, I have been given God's grace, and grace is, means he's given me stuff I don't deserve. Makes sense, Right? So think through your wording a little bit, and sometimes, again, just talking with somebody else, it'll kind of pop out, all right? Um, going back to our opening verse, are you guys ready to share the living hope you have as a believer? I hope a little bit more. I know this is just the beginning, and so this is homework. I want you to keep working on these stories, okay? We've just kind of scratched the surface, getting you started. Spend some time. Um, kickoff is at what, four today? So you got four hours, right? <laughs> at least spend some time working through this, starting to go. Um, with it, um, we are going to show some more of these intersection videos for the next several weeks. Um, pretty much through Easter, we'll be showing you some of these. Just so you can see ways that people are approaching it. And by the way, if you are interested in sharing your intersection and being recorded, I would love that because I still need more, okay? Um, the other piece of it is I would love to coach you. Um, I, I get excited about this stuff. So 
Um, first of all, you can email me. My email's up there, mike at mvfcolorado.com. You can email me your story. We can meet together face-to-face and kind of work it out. You can email it to me. I can kind of edit it or give you some ideas and send it back to you, whatever. Also, uh, for the next two weeks during the 8.30 service, I'm going to be in Balsam. Balsam is the room across from the restrooms, okay? If you want to stop in, um, I would be glad to kind of talk through your story. Or maybe you're like, uh, here it's all written out. How do we get to it a little shorter? What do we need to do? Or maybe it's just, I don't even know how to begin. We can just kind of work through that a little bit, okay? I would love to do that. But even past the next two weeks, I am open available. The other pastors, our elders, folks would love to do this with you, okay? Um, A while back, Pastor Don said that 2023 is going to be the year of the story, our stories. And so my hope is that by doing this, you guys doing your homework, that next time we ask you how many of you shared in 2023 a story with somebody that most of us hold our hands up, okay? Can you guys do that with me? Sound good? All right, let's go ahead and pray together. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning, and, and thank you for these intersections, Um, you care so much about each of us. Long before we knew you, you care about us. And so you are active in our lives, the big things, the little things. And Lord, I just pray that you help us to be able to see those. The Holy Spirit, you illuminate these different intersections so that we can share with an unbelieving world, a world that's, and people who are living in chaos and darkness, that we can show that you are real, that you stepped in and you changed us and you've given us peace and hope and fulfillment. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you help each person here. Just help them kind of craft these these stories in a way that, that it's easy for them to share. They don't have to memorize them. They can just share it out of their heart what you've done. And we just want to give you the glory. Thank you, Jesus, again for loving us first. In your name, amen. So folks, that is it. Go do your homework, enjoy the game later today, and go be Christ to people around you this week.